Hey, guess who's back? Yes, folks, it's Papa McWilliams, and I am a literal Papa now here to give you the pre-roll for ELL162. And you know what? I'm just going to remind you guys that you can join the Lions of Liberty Pride, get all sorts of fantastic bonus content for as little as $2 uh, to get into the Lions of Liberty Pride, where you can view our live streams, including debate coverage, our Super Bowl Super Show, which was one of the funniest podcasts we have ever recorded. Uh, absolutely hilarious stories being told in there. Uh, and then five bucks, you get in all the audio downloads, all the streaming shit that you love. But that's not all. We got $25 levels. We got $10 levels. We got $15 levels. All of those come with different perks, different squirts. $25 gets you on our uh, monthly calls with the Mufasa Pride calls. We get together, do a Skype call, talk about topics of liberty, what's going on with the show, what you'd like to see. $50, you actually get to be a part of the show. After uh, three months of that, you can choose a topic, as you heard, with who sunk the Hawaii Super Ferry uh, and other topics that are coming up soon. A Felony Friday episode uh, very soon is forthcoming. And unfortunately, guys, our $100 level at the moment is locked up. Yes, our friends over at Good Morning Liberty have decided to come on board and support our podcast, so you'll be hearing more about that very soon uh, as they are supporting the show. We want to give them the loving in turn. So awesome, huge thank you to the guys at Good Morning Liberty, and uh, yeah, stay tuned for that. So get involved, support the show, tell a friend, but maybe more importantly, maybe less. I say telling a friend more important. But still, money's money. So go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, Sugar Plum Fairies, welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 162. I am Brian. I am back, returned from the zone of babies and placentas falling out of people, one of whom at least was my wife. And no, did not keep it, did not eat it. I know a lot of you freakazoids out there enjoy doing that kind of thing, but I'll tell you what, man. Number one, I don't have a stomach for it. I don't feel like putting that thing in a bag. I don't feel like taking it home. I don't feel like drying it. <laughs> I don't want to put it in pills. I don't care. I don't care about the health benefits. You know, it's like people say that drinking your urine is good for you. Maybe it is. <laughs> I will never know. <laughs> that extra year of life ain't worth it for me, man. So anyway, uh, yeah, welcome to the show, guys. I am back and uh, and I am be-babied. Little Ron Paulina Mises McWilliams has come out and she is uh, happy and healthy and beautiful as can be. And uh, yeah, shocking thing. As soon as the baby came out, went Christian conservative, just like Dave uh, Smith. No, 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 none of that happened. And I promise you, Unlike Mr. Smith, who, by the way, I'm putting a call out to all of my listeners out there, all my listeners, all my Twitter followers, all my everybody's, uh, get me on the Contra Cruise this year because they're doing a roast to Dave Smith. And I know these bunch of fucking Liberty nerd ass losers aren't going to be able to come up with shit for insults. And I want to be on there to give Dave the roasting that he deserves with my rapier like wit. Just eviscerate him there. Make him weep in front of his wife and child. Well, I'm presuming the child won't be on the boat. Like You don't usually bring a child on a cruise, especially with the coronavirus out there. Which, by the way, coronavirus, uh, I think it was like a carnival cruise. They're like six days in. They're like, by the way, you might want to get tested, guys. We found out somebody's got uh, got a little touch of the <laughs> touch of the scurvy. Um, 
Yeah, but big thanks to John Odermatt, my uh, my fellow Liberty Lion here, and Howie Snowden, who stepped in very admirably at putting together a great show on short notice for me when I had to uh, to rush into the hospital with uh, the old wife. So a huge thanks to those guys for a wonderful show. And thanks all, uh, to all of you for listening. You know, I'm happy. You know, the show still got great download numbers uh, in keeping with the high standards that Electric Liberty Land has set. But, you know, a part of me, a part of me was hoping that there'd be a dip as people went, no, Brian McWilliams, <laughs> not on my watch. And then they just threw their iPhone or Android out the window into the gutter, flush it down the toilet, whatever, to, just to, to make their outrage felt to how could I leave you? Your Wednesday leader in Liberty. Anyway, does it matter? I'm back. I'm back. So first things first, guys, I, uh, I got to talk about the State of the Union. Usually I don't do this because it's too tricky to do, but the State of the Union is only usually about an hour. So I decided today I would watch the State of the Union and or the State of the Lunion. Ah, you see what I did there with that title? Uh, not my best work. Not my best work. But, you know, I'm, I'm short on sleep. The brain, uh, the brain's sitting in the pan. I'm not sure there's any liquid holding it up. It's just kind of, you know, it's like your brain on drugs, but... Uh, your brain on baby. So I am going to give a little response to that to kick the show off. And then I'm going to come back around because I want to talk about the Iowa caucuses, the caucuses, if you will. And uh, also I want to talk about the coronavirus, talk a little bit about Trump and Israel, etc. So without further ado, let's hop into it. Oh boy. First things first, hot freaking nacho cheese. That was... So long, so, so, so long, and uh, even longer when your baby decides that she's not going to stop crying. So I think I got the majority of this uh, the State of the Union. I took a bunch of notes on my phone, so I'm just going to run through them. I think I did the same thing last year. The overall speech was about an hour and a half long, and of course, the most aggravating, obnoxious shit in any State of the Union address is the applause breaks. It's the applause breaks and watching these two parties sit there with their arms crossed, no matter what news is thrown out there. I remember last year it cracked me up because Trump lured and baited these women in because all the Democratic women were white to, you know, for women's rights. And he baited them in by saying, oh, the women are here and they all cheer, right? More women are elected to the Senate and uh, they all go, yeah, or elected representatives. They'll go, yeah. And then he's talking about, how women have record employment gains. And once again, this year, I guess women got 72% of the new jobs that had uh, opened up or been added to the economy per his stats. And it's just funny to watch them sit there on their hands and be like, eh, we can't clap for it because it's not our team. It doesn't matter if the news is good because it's not our team. It's just so fucking aggravating. And it just was, it's like looking at it. I hope the average American watches this and makes note of that. Because if there's anything that's going to disillusion people from voting for a two-party system and believing in a two-party system is watching these two jackass hack parties sit there and play partisan politics and refuse to, to acknowledge even a gain that would be better for the people that they represent because that wouldn't look good because that's going to cede power from them. God, it makes me sick. All right, so let's buzz through this. 
I was planning on doing a long episode. Like I said, though, my baby was going nuts earlier and uh, I didn't get it done. Uh, <laughs> so now I had to wait till after the State of the Union. But funny, Trump started off with saying the USA was highly respected again. <laughs> and that gave me a chuckle. I would not say that we are, quote unquote, highly respected. I would say feared. That's uh, that's probably a more appropriate phrase. Uh, feared and ridiculed, ridiculed and feared. Depends on which uh, part of the room you're in and who's who, if you're talking to someone's face or their back. But to say that we're highly respected, I don't know. I think that probably the reputation of the United States has taken quite a hit in compared to uh, decades past. And while people still flood to us as far as having economic opportunities, I don't think that they're looking at us as a cultural beacon or a, uh, a beacon of what a society should be quite so much as they used to. Uh, one thing that also cracked me up, Trump goes, gone are the broken promises. Gone are the broken promises. I did not do a good Trump. Uh, which made me laugh just because the promises that Trump ran on were number one, the border wall, which I guess he said he's got 500 miles done. I don't know. Whoop-de-doo. Doesn't fucking matter. People are still going to go in. They're going to go over. They're going to go under. But Trump also promised us that he was going to end the endless wars. And on that, he's come woefully short. We get promised some sort of troop withdrawal from Syria and Afghanistan. Well, he pulled out a little bit of Syria. We still have troops there walking through the oil fields. But as far as Afghanistan, we're still there. No no uh, movement has been made on that front whatsoever. The longest war in American history is still continuing. In regards to Iran, I mean, he just assassinated. Now I'm going to come down about, back around to this later. But we just assassinated one of their heads of state. How is that going to end an endless war? It's not going to be ending the war that's ongoing in Iraq. And I consider that an active war. We're still fighting people there. We're still fighting ISIS in that country. We're still fighting the rebel groups. We're still occupying a nation that hates us and wants us out of there. Their parliament voted to kick our troops out for Christ's sakes. And we told them to go fuck themselves. And they have no recourse because we control all of the money from their oil industry. Because the United States, when it took over the country, and ousted Saddam Hussein on the back of false information that was pushed forward by our government and by the media. Well, they decided they're going to take all that money. They're going to filter it through United States banks so that Iraq can simply just go screw itself because they cannot access it if the United States does not give them explicit permission to do so. So isn't that fun for them? But Trump doesn't end these, these forever wars. He definitely hasn't avoided regime change. Again, what do you think assassinating a head of state is? What do you think working actively to undermine Assad over in Syria is? I mean, these are also indications of regime change that are going on. Now, you could say he hasn't done that with uh, Kim Jong-un. And there was no mention, by the way, of Kim Jong-un in the State of the Union whatsoever, because no progress has been made on that. For the past year, zero has been done in regards to not only denuclearizing North Korea, but also just in bringing them into the global economy. You know, that's far more important to me than them having a nuke or not having a nuke. Their nuke doesn't matter for shit, especially once they're brought into the world economy. Their entire population will see a significant rise in their fortunes, in their income, in their GDP, in their basic way of living, because capitalism does that automatically, as we've seen throughout history. And of course, the complete opposite of the socialism which is in place in so many of these countries, like North Korea, even though that's, of course, a dictatorial version of it. But, of course, so Trump's not going to talk about that because there's no movement. But yet, he says, gone are the broken promises, as several of his promises go continuously 
the way of the uh, the broken bird's wing. Is that a phrase? I don't know. Let's pretend it is. Nancy Pelosi kind of cracked me up during the State of the Union. She was uh, sitting there with her wide-eyed devil look. You know, man, it's like he, the Dark Crystal really brings to mind so many elf things. Like there's these things called Gelflings, which are the main elf characters, and then there's things called Podlings, which are the side characters that the Skeksis abuse and use. And it's the strangest thing because Nancy Pelosi looks like a perfect merger between the Skeksis, which are like these horrible bird-like crones that are stretched, their skin stretched to the max. And the pod people, the podlings, which have these protruding eyeballs, you know, they're kind of like, they're deep set, but at the same time, they're kind of popping out. And Nancy Pelosi's got that devil's look to her of bizarre eyeballs popping out of this Skeksis pulled back skin. So it's so funny though, because she's sitting there behind Trump you know, she's next to Pence, she's behind Trump, but instead of looking, instead of reacting, she just has this dead-eyed stare, and every time the camera cuts to her, she looks down at papers she has, which, of course, she's not writing on. She's not, like, maybe she it's a printed-out version of his speech, maybe she's trying to see how far along it is, but she just kept shuffling the papers, and it was so awkward. I'm trying to think, what the fuck is she looking at? It was like a nervous tick she just kept doing over and over again. So weird. All right, next thing, Trump talked about record low unemployment which fine, I'm glad it is what it is, but still you have to think it could be vastly lower if not for the minimum wage wage laws that are still in place, especially in these cities like Seattle that are pushing them through, like in Los Angeles that are pushing them through. Not that Trump can explicitly control that, but licensing laws, they could definitely take a step forward in that, trying to make things, trying to you know deregulate some of these uh, industries. Now, granted, a lot of those are still state by state, but letting people have, Jobs braiding hair, for example. That's one that constantly is licensed in all these different states. But just think about that. You get rid of the minimum minimum wage laws, you're going to have far more people working all over the place regardless. And that goes especially for low-class, undereducated people, teenagers, people coming straight out of the high school or people that are high school dropouts. Not only that, you have the licensing laws. You get rid of those. You have people that are able to get in without having to expend all these funds that they've been saving up at a low-paying job because a lot of these licenses are like two, three grand to get in there because they're just simply cronious rackets. And then, of course, simple act of deregulating these economies or all these different industries so that people can grow their business and hire more people on without having to worry about going through the hoops that are put in the position by government, by cronyism, that allow bigger firms to succeed at the cost of entrepreneurs or at the cost of smaller firms that cannot pay the legal fees, cannot cross all the T's and dot the I's required by the regulations to keep themselves competitive in the marketplace. Ah, Trump went on to say that women filled 72% of all new jobs. I talked about that a little earlier. Great. I guess does that does that mean that employers finally figured out that the wage gap that these guys are talking about is a great way to save some bucks? <laughs> I mean, I remember Tom Woods. He had mentioned that. I thought it's a hilarious point. Uh, is that if you know the left, they say the corporations are evil, right? Even though they're all for big government, and they they don't seem to realize that big government and big corporations are always tied hand in hand because of the regulatory aspects, but. The left likes to say the corporations only care about the bottom line, that they're purely evil and that they only care about their stockholders. Well, if that was true, then you would go out of your way to hire all women because you'd be saving according to the nonsense statistics that have been disproven time and time again by studies that actually base themselves in quantifiable measurements that aren't just, you know, hey, we're going to take somebody random without putting in the uh, the variables of how many hours they worked, what career they chose, 
taking time off for uh, to have a child, taking time off to go vacations, etc. But were these corporations to think purely profit, they would in fact hire nothing but women because you can get them if we're to believe the latest uh, toss pot stats from the Democrats at something like 75 cents on the dollar when the latest, and even this is the the polling, uh, I think it was, was it Gallup? No, I'm blanking on who actually did this, the initial studies, but even they admitted that their initial study does not hold up anymore, that they could not find a significant difference between men and women in the workplace anymore. It's moot. It's like less than 1%. So interesting that women filled 72% of the new jobs that are out there. Now, again, Hard with any sort of claim like this to figure out what it is, especially coming directly out after the uh, the State of the Union address. But I'd be curious to see, number one, what industry those jobs are in, if they are, in fact, the blue-collar jobs that he's touting. Um, maybe they're in coding. Hashtag learn to code. Maybe they're in uh, some sort of other service industry. I'd be curious to see. But maybe it's just that these women... <laughs> These women also uh, are aware of the wage gap and uh, they're just too dumb to fight it. <laughs> Either way, if the, if the wage gap is to be believed as a thing, it does not paint a pretty picture for the leftist way of thinking. This doesn't add up. Uh, Trump said that 10 million people were lifted off welfare. Well, that's great. I'd be fine with a lot of them being kicked off as well, which may also be the case. And that's what I was kind of curious about this. Trump's used the phrase lifted off welfare, but does that mean the government lifted them kind of like a crane reaches down to lift out a, uh, a little stuffed animal and then drop it in a hole <laughs> for a child to take home and vomit all over? Because I know that he was trying to restrict some of the access to welfare programs and uh, like, for example, uh, putting in place that people had to work in order to get welfare, uh, drug testing for welfare, things along those lines. So a lot of these people may not exactly have been lifted, quote unquote, but may in fact have been kicked off. Um, he also talked about bottom level incomes for the bottom level of income earners, you know, low level jobs, blue collar people, that their net worth was rising something like 47% faster than the top. And excuse my flubbing this because it was such an odd phrasing he used and he said it so quickly I had to rewind it like twice and I still missed it. But basically what he's saying is that the lower income earners had been accelerating their net worth under Trump's uh, last couple of years in office much faster than the top percentage. Of course, the left will say, well, the top percent, you know, if they just go up one percent, that's still like uh, you know, four trillion in their pockets and the bottom percent is only two trillion. I'm on Team Trump here. I could give a fuck. And this is the way I look at income inequality overall. If everyone is making more money, if the standard of living is vastly going up for people on the lower side of things, even if it's not going up to the monetary standard uh, or that the standard that the leftists would say is unnecessary income or why should a billionaire have a billion dollars type of income, I don't really give a fuck. I'd much rather see people make more money quickly than worry about income inequality and demand that people's money that is hard-earned be taken away from them and redistributed, which, of course, would just lead to disincentivizing people to go out of the way and become entrepreneurs like a Jeff Bezos or, you know, like an overstock CEO or on any number of other people that have made it big, you know, Elon Musk, deciding that they want to start a company and grow it. So good for the lowest uh, income earners. Happy to see them get some cash in their pockets. 
Trump also talking about the stock markets being high and claiming that that's somehow putting money back in everyone's pocket, which, is, of course, is not true. A lot of that's going straight back into the banks. A lot of that is Fed funded. A lot of that is interest rate funded and bubble fueled. So take it for what it's worth. It's mostly bullshit. One thing I did notice, though, that was interesting was he took time to uh, spot out a senator. I think his last name was Scott. And I'm going to Google this in real time. But it was something called Opportunity Zones. And it was these areas in impoverished parts of the country where I'm trying to figure out if they get tax incentives or if they are getting subsidies for companies that invest there. One of them I'm for. Okay, so this is opportunity zones. Here we go. What is an opportunity zone? Well, it's a zone in an economically distressed community where new investments under certain conditions may be eligible for preferential tax treatment. Okay, well, then that's good. I can say that I could get behind this then because I was worried that this opportunity zone would not be a tax break, which as we all are all for any tax break, then I was worried it was going to be instead a sort of subsidy. So rather than give them a tax break, they would instead be dishing out money at the taxpayer's expense to prop up the hiring of people in these impoverished communities. So good on that. Getting back on track here. Uh, he, he sparked out these opportunity zones um, saying that that was you know period of, of large investment. No idea if that's true or false, but I'm all for plans like this. I know Rand Paul also had one. Uh, next, he talked about the U.S. being the biggest producer of natural gas and energy independent, which raises the question, if we're so energy independent, then why the fuck are we still in the Middle East? Why? For what fucking reason? I don't know. But he comes particularly hypocritical when he's touting the fact that we're energy independent, yet we have all these troops, as I said, in Syria, protecting oil fields. We have troops throughout Iraq. That was, of course, to protect, you know, people are always protesting no blood for oil, which is exactly what it was when we went into Iraq the first time to protect our interests there, to protect the fuel industry as far as using petrodollars for United States uh, gas purchases and international gas purchases. But if we're so energy dependent, bring it home. Bring it the fuck home. The amount of money that we're, that we're wasting as a country, hand over fist in trillions and trillions of dollars, isn't worth the price, especially if we could do this at home. And hey, benefit to you, Trump. If we're doing it at home, it's creating American jobs anyway. So let the free market sit there. No need to have military interventionalism going over and getting, getting people killed, especially when you're talking about the people that are over there being killed, making the quote, ultimate sacrifice, which is a portion of what happened during this State of the Union. Because, of course, you always have to have the dog and pony show. Always have to show the military families. And he's saying that this man, I think it was Sergeant Hay or Hayes, made the ultimate sacrifice in Afghanistan or Iraq or whatever the fuck it was. Now, I don't want to besmirch the man. I don't want to make light of his death. But I couldn't help thinking he made the, quote, ultimate sacrifice. But if it were me, if it were my sacrifice, I would want it to matter. And empirically, what's going on in the Middle East right now only matters in so far as it's creating more animosity, it's creating more terrorists, it's creating more blowback, and it's destabilizing entire regions and costing millions of people their lives, their livelihood, their children's lives on an ongoing and never-ending basis. So I would prefer that far less Americans make any sacrifice in that regard and that they just simply come home, be far more effective here. Oh, let's see. Moving on. He talked about the shitty trade deals that he put through. Of course, the USMCA, which replaced NAFTA, somehow 
pretending that this is going to be some revolutionary move forward. As I mentioned a little bit, uh, you know, one of the things I had a problem with this when it first got, got through, and I haven't reviewed it line by line, but was that Trump made sure that Mexico put in language there to try to amp up their minimum wage laws. So that way, the products that were so plentiful and cheap coming across from Mexico and at a benefit to the United States, well, now those are going to be more expensive because we have to make sure that Mexico doesn't have a huge competitive advantage in making shitty T-shirts and whatever else that are shipping over here compared to the American industries. So everybody loses. So thanks a lot for that, Trump. Of course, he also talked about the idiotic tariffs and uh, moving things forward with China. Big, big air wank motion of that. Oh, here's one. One of the funniest things in the entire segment, by the way, was he took time out to attack Maduro in Venezuela and had the CIA puppet president. And meanwhile, I am not a, I'm not a fan of Maduro in any way. I think he's a monstrous dictator. I think he has done an incredible uh, amount of damage to his country and his people. And he's an absolute atrocious piece of shit that's highlighting everything that's wrong with socialism. But at the same time, Guaido, uh, this he looks completely like he's a Manchurian candidate. And he was at the State of the Union. Literally, it was one of the most awkward things of sitting there with my wife next to me. And she's like, why does he look so weird? And I look at him and the guy, it's literally like he had a lobotomy. He's got no facial expression on his, like zero. It's almost like, imagine Keanu Reeves in almost any movie in between his own lines. That's what this guy had as far as a look on his face, just completely dead, like a stone golem. And then he did the weird, like queen wave where you just turn the wrist and and, uh, and leave your elbow in place. Freaky, man, like straight up Manchurian candidate shit. But I was just disgusted by the United States trotting this guy out who, of course, we're trying to prop up in this puppet government, of course, try to draw in the entire region into the civil war because we're stationing troops in Colombia and all these regional countries. Just uh, sickening. And then, of course, Trump goes on with his military boner, talking about how the military is bigger than it's ever been and how we bought all the best new planes. Well, it's great. Why do we need all these things? Why do we? We don't need them if we're going across the country. We don't need them if we're if we're not engaged in this rampant militarism. If you're talking about ending broken promises, if you're talking about ending the endless wars, what the fuck do we need this big military for? We don't. Other than to placate the military industrial complex. All right, next. I missed a bit because the baby was going crazy, (laughs) but I did catch that Trump said no parent should be forced to send their child to a failing government school. Yup. Big yup to that. I can't yell like I usually do, by the way, for obvious reasons. Um, Trump said he would pledge to protect patients with pre-existing conditions. Hell no to that. Um, (laughs) Here's a fun note to myself. Nancy Pelosi looks like she was taking a shit when Trump slammed socialism taking over health (laughs) care. It was good to see him attack that tooth and nail, talking about how the Democrats are trying to take away people's private private health insurance. He did not address the problem with cronyism, though he did address price transparency. And I know a couple people had pushed back in our forum about this, but I am still a huge proponent of price transparency. I know uh, a lot of the doctors we've had on the program are fully for that. I know there's several success stories of people having completely transparent pricing operating in a different manner. There's one hospital in uh, Pittsburgh or medical center in Pittsburgh that has been excelling at low cost, no insurance payments with full transparency. So I'm very excited about what's going to happen with that. So I get fully behind that. 
One thing I'm not behind is Trump protecting Medicare and Social Security. Now, this may be lip service, uh, but you know, no politician is going to tell you that they're going to cut Medicare and Social Security. They're not going to tell you the truth, which is, which is that they're both completely bankrupt, completely bankrupt. I mean, there's no way to salvage them. There's too many entitlements. People are living far too long. They're not paying enough. There's literally an impossible way to do it, especially because the birth rate is not keeping up to prior years. Millennials wait longer to have kids. My wife and I just had our kid. I'm 40. Everybody is waiting. So there is no possible way that that is going to be solvent. But yet, you got presidents going out there and giving lip service to the elderly and saying, don't you worry, granny. I'm not going to leave you out in the dirt pile. Meanwhile, the best thing that could be done is probably to cut these things off, phase them out like Ron Paul wanted to do, and tell people, look, you got a cutoff date here. Plan accordingly. Your family can help take care of you. Charity, friends, whatever it is, give people healthcare savings accounts. Give people you know, ample retirement, uh, retirement incentives from tax perspectives and allow them to work it out. And if you don't do that, that's fucking on you, man. Maybe you have the absolute bare minimum assistance, but nothing like we have today. So again, kicking the can down the uh, down the road. All right, how much do I have left? Jesus, that's a lot. All right, I got to get faster going through this because I got to finish this up. All right, uh, bah, 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 kicking forward. Uh, Stand with me against the radical left, he said. That was nice to see. Uh, he's touting pharma and FDA having faster approvals, which is still abominably slow, however. Now, the one thing is Trump gets talking about bills. He's like, I have a bill for this. He sounds like Elizabeth Warren. I have a plan for this and a plan for that. But so he's talking about a bill for the, you know, to attack pharma pricing. He's got another bill for whatever else. All these things could easily be solved without these bills and by just getting the fuck out of the way. Get rid of the regulations. Get out of the way. Let the free market operate. Prices will drop substantially. Get the cronyism out of play. Allow people to compete. And it's done. But yet, we see this time and time again with government. The problem is they add on a bill to fix the bill. Then they add in another bill to fix the opposite bill. It's like a never-ending cycle that keeps these people like intrinsically involved in the process where they're simply not needed. And then they run on an election cycle of here's the problems I'm going to fix, never mind addressing the fact that they were caused by government in the goddamn first place. It's like it's like a, a perpetual motion machine that the government's created for itself. Again, another reason why there's no promise ever that's going to be lived up to to shrink the size of government on either party, not as far as the future is concerned, not as far as in the current political system's concerned, it will simply never happen. Because neither party has any incentive to actually shrink anything. Oh, a Rush Limbaugh was there. Uh, I made a note to myself to say, is he dying? Yes. The answer is yes, he was. Moving on, uh, federal employees got their uh, paid family leave, men and women. I'm not a federal employee. I am back to work this week. My wife is going to get her three months off. So fuck the federal employees. Fuck them right in the ass. I don't need my taxes paying for these shitheads to get paid parental leave when I don't have it. It shouldn't it be the reverse. If anything, if these people are civil servants, if they're working for us, shouldn't they be the last ones to get it? And shouldn't that be the preferred modus operandi? So that whole thing really pissed me off. But I guess there's another bill on the books to expand that and to make sure that we have assured parental leave for men as well. I don't know what the price tag on that would be like. I certainly believe that individual companies should have that policy as a benefit or as a cultural uh, 
level of attractiveness to woo people to come in and work for them. But I guess the government's going to step in and do it. I'll have to wait and see. Nothing new on immigration was said, just the same old bullshit. Oh, I do have something to say about this. And I've heard this from the left and from the right. I know Bernie Sanders is going on about this, and I can't see it being an issue that anyone other than 400,000 people out in bumblefuck who gives a crap nowhere could care about. But for some reason, getting high-speed internet into rural areas is a priority. Why? For what? Bernie Sanders says it's a human right. So now... Now, we're talking about basic human rights. Not only do you have a basic human right to health care, which, of course, is forcing other people to provide it for you, but now we have to force other people to provide fiber cabling out in the middle of nowhere at high cost with very little return on investment uh, because it's a human right to have high-speed internet. I can't think of a single reason why that would be the case. How fast do you need your porn? Do you need to stream your Hulu? No, you do not. These are not necessities. These are niceties. Having the internet is a nicety. People lived very, very long times without it. It is not a human right. And there's also already existing technologies like satellite. I've seen enough Hughes commercials to know that you can get those things installed. You can get your satellite internet. You can get a Wi-Fi hotspot. And also, we're going to spend... If the government gets its way, we're going to spend billions of dollars helping to build out a fucking fiber cable infrastructure. And then 5G is going to come along, 60 is going to come along, and it's going to make it all obsolete anyway because it's simply going to operate through the airwaves via towers, via satellite connections, and everything else. So it's going to be another bridge to nowhere where money is spent throwing it down the well just to have technology come and replace it in about 10 seconds. Just like going after monopolies is idiotic because anytime a company has a monopoly, some other competitor comes into the market with a better technology or solution and makes it obsolete. This is like the government deciding, you know what? Not enough people have cars. So let's get some fucking horse-drawn carriages out there to help them out. Absolutely retarded. Oh, I made a note. I was shocked because uh, Trump had not talked about the second amendment about seven, uh, sorry, about an hour and 10 minutes in. I was thinking my, Got my clock time and my minute time confused. But then he brought it in. Excuse the pun, but he saved the big guns for last. And he pledged, it was very short, but he pledged that there are people attacking our basic rights. And he said, I will protect your Second Amendment rights. Now, of course, we know that Trump is a fan, a fag, a fan of red flag laws, part of the flub. So he won't protect our Second Amendment rights because if somebody can simply report you and red flag you for virtually anything uh, with very little connection to you as far as knowing what you're doing, your mental state, your mental health, uh, your background, your intentions or anything else, well, that's not only protecting jack shit, is it? And then Trump went on to say that we would be because, of course, we are a nation that is a, uh, God, what did he call it? a frontier uh, nation, something along those lines. But because we like to go exploring, and he segued that from the Second Amendment argument, I, and it was funny because I thought he was going to talk about how we had rifles on the frontier and we used them to, you know, to protect our land and get ahead, but he didn't. But then he talks about how we'll be the first to put a flag on Mars, which raises a question. Mr. Trump, can I have my death ray there or will there be restrictions? 
I need some Second Amendment assurances on what's going on with my Mars ranch, man. Because, you know, there ain't no goddamn government on Mars. And if there's one thing I'm sure of, I'm definitely going to want a gun to protect me of anybody that sets up a government on Mars. Especially if I'm there finding Quaid. Quaid, get to the reactor. Oh, boy. Oh, and uh, this was a lovely one. He started talking about Iran and talking about how he was so happy that we assassinated General Soleimani. And to that, we had a unanimous standing ovation. Yes, Republicans and Democrats, all the Democrats who had been sitting on their hands through all of the good economic news, all of the good news about, well, the quote-unquote good news about the tariffs and the trade agreements, all of the good news about ISIS being uh, blasted and you know, everything else that Trump was talking about, all the good news about the women getting into the workforce. They sat on their hands for all of that. But I'll tell you what they stood up for. They all stood up for assassinating another country's leader or one of the two leaders. Just really, I mean, if there was anything more shocking to me, well, I, I can't say <laughs> I wasn't shocked. If there was anything more telling than watching these two parties that pretend to be at odds with each other stand up for an unconstitutional murdering of a foreign dignitary outside his country in a country we which, which we occupy, which we do not have authority to go and assassinate people in bringing us to the, uh, the brink of war and then another unconstitutional war. Well, it really showed you where everybody's priorities lie. And those priorities are without a doubt aligned very closely with the military industrial complex, with American empire building, with never ending wars, with constantly keeping that two minute hate going for all of America to get behind and keeping their goddamn jobs secured, knowing that we'll be looking outward rather than inward. It was just Man, I mean, like, you can't make a souffle any better than that. All right, we're almost done here, guys. Trump gave some lip service to bring in the troops home. I say, prove it. Hashtag prove it. Uh, he also brought a troop home from deployment as a surprise, which, of course, was definitely not a surprise. This chick standing in the front row with her kids. He talks about this guy. How great he is, how he's out there fighting the good fight. And then he goes, and surprise, we brought him home. He's no longer deployed for you. And uh, this guy comes down. They have a big hug. I felt like I was watching like a car commercial. It was so fucking cheesy. And then the crowd starts to chant, USA, 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 like it's a sporting match. It was an embarrassing spectacle. Yet Trump thinks that we are highly respected as a nation. Shit like that, man. Shit like that. Oh, then he also told, oh God, this was another cringeworthy moment. Then Trump, he's wrapping it up. This, this, his like ending soliloquy was so fucking long. Like it was like 10 minutes of him just spouting nonsense, like Joe Biden level nonsense. He starts talking about Davy Crockett. He's like the country that had Davy Crockett and Annie Oakley. <laughs> It's like, do you, do you think you personally know these people? Why are you mentioning these people? These are people at a legend. These are stories nobody even knows who you're talking about that's under the age of 40. Davy Crockett and Annie Oakley. Jesus Christ, Trump. Uh, I did like that he told the USA Republic, not a democracy like these cryberry liberal fuckheads 
want it. After they lose an election, they say, we need to go straight Democratic. No, no, no. Not the way it works. Never designed that way for very good reason to allow people to get an equal representation rather than have the coastal elites just simply steamroll everybody. Uh, That was about it. He did not slam impeachment nor even address it that I could see. That was shocking because he went after the Democrats pretty aggressively. You know, he went after them saying that these socialists are trying to take the country down and you had to stand with him. And I never heard a president really attack another party so explicitly during a state of the union. So it was surprising he didn't go into the impeachment thing. And frankly, I would have been very happy if he called it out for the coup it is. Uh, Otherwise, he mentioned like God like 10 times and how America was a country under God and God gave us rights, which of course God didn't give me fucking jack shit. Rights are rights, man. But uh, I don't know. That was kind of weird. I guess he's just playing up the evangelicals. Anyway, if I had to give it a rating, I give it a C plus. <laughs> pretty, pretty awful. Pretty awful. A lot of bullshit. A lot of uh, stats you can't really back up. A lot of things that I do not agree with and very few things that I did. But uh, that's pretty much been Trump's presidency in a nutshell so far. Starts off saying things that I like and then pretty much quickly goes down the hill, rolling like Jack and Dale down the hill and uh, just ending in a pile of shit. All right, let's take a quick word from our sponsor and I'll be right back. Hey, everybody, let's talk about CBD, shall we? And I know you're like, where is the Mance Raider plug, Brian? You've been telling us about Free Man Beyond the Wall for like four months now. Well, there you go. Go listen to Free Man Beyond the Wall. But more importantly, we have a brand new sponsor, guys. Yes, we have North Spokane Hemp Company that, of course, is uh, they produce fine hemp products. You can go and check out their website, NorthSpokaneCBD.com, but they also have CBD. So they've got everything from the tinctures to the gummies to flowers. They've got everything you could need to take on any sort of ailment you might have because if you don't know about CBD, it is a very therapeutic derivative that comes out of hemp plants and is the cannabinoid family and can be used for anxiety. It can be used for insomnia. It can be used for uh, aches and pains in the body to help you rest, help you sleep. It can even, (laughs) I've snorted. (laughs) That's how excited I'm about this. It can even be used with your pets, Uh, you know, anti-inflammatory measures, but also if you have an insane dog like I do, then CBD can actually help to calm them down and make them a little bit more hospitable to you and yours in your house. And the best part is you can go for this entire month of February to NorthSpokaneCBD.com and put in the discount code LIONS to get 25% off your order. So please go support the show, support this wonderful company owned and run by Libertarians, North Spokane Hemp Company. Go to NorthSpokaneCBD.com. Don't forget to put in that code LIONS. All right, I'm back. I'm, I'm tired, man. I'm hitting the wall. This uh, lack of sleep's getting to me. All right, so coming back in, I want to talk real briefly about Iowa, the Iowa caucuses. Coxes? Yeah, just what a, Jesus, what a shit show in Iowa. Hilarious. And again, I'm, I'm surprised Trump didn't mention it during the State of the Union, uh, at least in passing. But God, what a incompetent shit show. And now I know Iowa's kind of had a reputation for messing things up in the past, but talk about the timing of it. When you have a contentious Democratic primary season, you've got all of the eyes looking at what you're doing as the first primary caucus that's going on here 
And just to have a shit show like the one that has been unfolding in front of our eyes. I mean, frankly, the schadenfreude is delicious. I've been loving every second of it, especially considering that there's an underlying story here, which involves the Clintons. It involves Pete Buttigieg. It involves uh, Bernie Sanders fans. So first off, the first things first, here was the, the results that I saw before uh, or the latest results. So this is like, you know, not still not with everybody reporting because the incompetence of these oh my god now it reset oh that's too funny because they're doing a full recount well at last i went in to see the caucus results it had said 62 percent were reporting now i refreshed it and it says zero percent reporting but when i last saw it bernie sanders and pete Buttigieg, judge mayor pete butt stuff were basically tied at 25 percent with 10 delegates each elizabeth warren had come in third and then uh, the rest of the crew were just kind of following behind there but what's funny about this is that if you're not familiar with what's going on, they had this app developed, right? And the app for the Iowa caucuses was supposed to be this new revolutionary way for people that were reporting the votes to tally them up and send them through to the main hub, right? The, the head Iowa office to calculate who's who's doing what, who's in the lead, all that stuff. So half the people, I guess, didn't actually download the app. They were supposed to be reporting it. So they're just trying to use the phone lines. But of course, the phone lines are not fully set up and equipped for this because they figured a lot of people would be using the app. So you've got these people trying to call in results from their county or their town, and they're on hold for you know 15 minutes to 45 minutes, and they're getting hung up on and disconnected. So they're just getting frustrated out their asses. So slow reporting anything. Then you have the app that people are trying to use not functioning at all. It's having issues reporting. It's dropping connections. It's just like, it's kind of like Obamacare's website in a nutshell. And naturally, it was put together by Democrats. <laughs> and not just any Democrats, but Democrats that were working with Hillary Clinton's campaign team. So it's uh, it was developed under Acronym, which is a Democratic you know campaign platform. But... They had paid this company called Shadow, <laughs> not making this up, Shadow Inc. <laughs> Two Clinton associates and fucking Shadow Inc., man. But Shadow Inc. Uh, had been hired up by uh, Tara McGowan, the chief executive at Acronym. And she had also been involved with Mayor Pete Buttstuff's campaign manager. I'm sorry, she's married to a senior aide in Booty Judge's campaign, which made people think that when all the shenanigans were going out with people reporting wrong through the Shadow app, you know, I can't remember what the actual app was called, this Iowa Caucus app or whatever it was. But Mayor Pete had announced very early on when 0% of these places had been reported that he had, you know, that he was victorious. He's now walked that back and said, oh, I... I meant I was victorious about something else. <laughs> what were you victorious in? I mean, I, I, betting two men in one night? Like, what, what are we talking about here? So anyway, that got the whole conspiracy engine going because they said, okay, so acronym led by Miss McGowan, right? Who's married to a senior aide. And she had developed this app shadow in regard to these Clinton people. And mayor Pete is now considered the establishment candidate, by the way, he's widely considered if Joe Biden should, should drop out to be the person that the establishment would most likely to see, get that nomination. So of course you get people saying, Oh, this is clearly the DNC developing an app so they can undermine Bernie Sanders. So they can make sure that the candidate they want to win wins. And I mean, considering what happened in the past, 
could you put it by them? I certainly could send it to the realm of possibility. I mean, these people had fed questions, you know, Donna Brazil fed questions to CNN or fed CNN questions to Hillary Clinton before the campaign. They rewrote the rules for the Democratic National Convention to screw Bernie Sanders. They messed with the delegates. I mean, what's not to be believed in regards to conspiracies in the DNC? So this has all just been delicious to watch because the absolute, absolute incompetence is on display. And of course, people were not slow to jump on it saying, you people expect to run a government and you can't even run a simple caucus. You can't even count people's hand votes and give us a decent response. And of course, to me, the uh, the immediate and obvious response would be, and you want to be my latex salesman. Say it's Vandalay Industries. So anyway, that's the, the long and short about Iowa. Now, I'm a little surprised to see Mayor Pete in the front-running position there. I thought Bernie Sanders would actually run away with it. Um, but hey, what do I know? Uh, I'm not surprised to see Warren dropping. I think she's going to continue to drop pretty quickly, not only because her plans are absolutely idiotic and economically unfeasible, even to somebody like Bernie Sanders. I mean, Christ, when Bernie Sanders is calling your, calling your plans out as unfeasible from an economic standpoint, you know you got a problem. I mean, Bernie Sanders goes through all of his pockets trying to find a nickel in those crumpled suits to buy an egg salad sandwich, and he thinks that you are poor. So, yeah, not, not coming through. But we'll say Amy Klobuchar, I think uh, before they ripped these results down, also had gotten something. I think she got like 12% of the vote, which I just, who's voting for somebody that looks like she's a school marm out of some sort of 19. I don't know, 1950s, 1960s, uh, I don't know, leave it to Beaver. Like she just has a weird look about her. And it also looks like she has palsy every time she's up there. She's just shaking and shimmering. She never has any good points to make. All she has are these terrible zingers, like these roll your eyes, groaning zingers about Trump. I, why is anybody supporting her? She's awful. And she's supposed to be a terrible person too, on top of all of it. So there you go. That's Iowa. I had to talk about it at least a little bit. I also want to talk quickly about the coronavirus because two things. Number one, uh, you're seeing some people say, oh, well, this is a great example of how governments can get in play and stop the outbreak from spreading in regards to China and what they're doing is for shutting an entire city down and trapping people there, which I think is atrocious. But on the other hand, they haven't stopped shit. That much is obvious. It's still spreading throughout China. And there's different reports because the Chinese government says one thing. You've got people on the ground that are journalists reporting a completely different story, like that they're taking people straight from a hospital to incinerators to keep the numbers down, to try not to scare people because economy-wise, they're taking a hit. The stock market in the U.S. had responded a little bit but bounced back. But you know, China, on, back, on the back of this tariff thing, they can't afford to take another shot because their, their economy is already a little bit rocky. So, and again, to back this up, I think two of their major four banks have defaulted and had to be bailed out by the government. So they're in some trouble. So they're going to try to hide these stats. Now, I'm not going to go down conspiracy lane here because we have a show that does just that. If you go to uh, to our pride and join the Patreon, but there is some talk that this is, you know, a virus that was created in Wuhan as a, uh, a chemical weapon or a viral weapon. Of course, the people in China are saying that the United States planted it there and made it look like a weapon because it predominantly affects Chinese men. Eh, there's all sorts of things going there. But regardless, I will tell you this. I am not afraid of the coronavirus. 
I'm not afraid of virtually any of these idiotic things that the World Health Organization tries to drum up and that the media goes crazy about. I think that the reaction to this has been absolutely insane. I think the Delta and these other airlines suspending flights for three months is fucking crazy. Because look, the flu kills like 60,000 people a year. The basic flu here in America kills 60,000 people. We're still nowhere near that. And the people we're talking about in China predominantly the people that are getting uh, you know, going to be killed from this are elderly. They're people that are already sick. They're people that already have immune problems. They're probably children. They're probably in rural areas where they already have a lot of issues. They probably don't have healthcare that's easily available to them. So suffice to say, here in America, which you might hate the cost of medical care, but here in America, if you get this virus, I can all but promise you you're not going to die. You're going to be just fine, kid. Unless you're like a 98-year-old man or somebody that happens to have a uh, you know cancer or some other immune deficiency problem, then you might be in trouble. But if you already have that, you're pretty much already in some trouble. Not that I don't have sympathy for you. Now, one thing I wanted to talk about in this story, too, which just this pissed me off so badly. Gizmodo, which, of course, is under the banner of all those jerk-off publications, Kodaku and Deadspin, the ones that are basically all losing their jobs because first they tried to unionize and uh, the company was like, no, 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 no to that. And then their business model fell apart. So they're all losing their jobs. Uh, But this asshole, Matt Novak, one of the, uh, I guess, one of the head asshole writers over there, he wrote this article Headlined, Jack Ma donates $14 million for coronavirus vaccine, comma, like average U.S. family donating $33. I guess this falls under Gizmodo's purview because he's a technology billionaire. Um, okay. But he goes out of his way to say that this is sickening because he's only donating $14.5 million when he's worth $41.5 billion. Now, again, these assholes never take into account the fact that he's estimated at $41.8 billion, but that's not actually going to be his liquid worth. That's going to be his company's worth, which is going to be predominantly what, uh, what that tally is for. But either way, he, he, he's comparing this guy to Jeff Bezos and trying to make it out like Bezos is also some piece of shit. He's saying that they both treat their employees. So again, it goes beyond just the monetary donation. And he goes, they both treat their employees like shit. They both own major media outlets. And now they give out relatively strong, small charitable donations while they sit on billions of dollars. Because people like this shitbag Matt Novak can't get it through their heads that that money's not everyone's. And it's not just simply there to be taken whenever there is a problem in the world. If those, if that was the situation, then no one would have any money, period. And maybe that's what these people want. But to say that $14.5 million is somehow an insignificant amount of money to donate to a charitable cause when, you know, he could have donated fucking nothing is just absolutely short-sighted idiocy. And does he think that shaming these people and you know and calling them shitheads and calling them motherfuckers is going to somehow help them to give more? Or is it going to make them say, well, then, you know, if you're not going to like what I give you, then why don't you go fuck yourself? I'm not going to give you anything ever. I'd certainly be my takeaway from it. But it's just, it makes me sick how many times I see something like this coming from these liberal slash leftists where nothing's ever enough. 
that are honest, broken worldview. And I talked about the broken worldview of AOC last week with her her comments about nobody makes a billion dollars, you only take a billion dollars. This Matt Novak asshole is clearly in that camp who they have a fundamentally broken worldview about value, about what people do and the value they bring to the table and why they deserve every penny of that money. Because from their point of view, they don't deserve a single penny of that money. It should all be taken away and it should all be put to the uses that they see fit. Because they're all egomaniacal at the end of the day anyway, thinking that they know how the best money should be spent, where it should go, why it should go, which is typically why leftist policies always turn to shit. Because while they have high intentions, they have a fundamentally retarded misunderstanding of how economics work, how incentives work, and how things play out in the real world. So there you go. What a jerk. Ah, started losing my voice a little bit too here, guys. Okay, I think I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, I had a bunch of other stuff I wanted to talk about, but I think I'm I'm not going to get there. <coughs> Excuse me. Let me take a little swig of uh, swig of liquor. That was helps. Okay, the last thing, our idiot of the week, Elizabeth Warren vows. This is from the Washington Times. Elizabeth Warren vows transgender child must approve of Secretary of Education nominee. So. Elizabeth Warren recently said, and this is a quote, I have two qualifications I do in Elizabeth Warren for us. I have two qualifications that I talk about over and over for my secretary of education. The first, it has to be someone who's taught in public school. Hello. <laughs> and part two, because it came from a young trans person who asked about a welcoming community. And I said, it starts with the secretary of education who has a lot to do with where we spend our money with what gets advanced in our public schools, with what standards are. And I said, I'm going to have a secretary of education that this young trans person interviews on my behalf. Is there any level of pandering, of virtue signaling stupidity that goes deeper or more prevalently than this? I mean, this is, uh, this is like the rainbow umbrella that you played with in gym class where everybody, you know, you'd throw the umbrella in the air and then you'd run under the umbrella and then you'd just let it fall on top of you. This is that in pandering leftist world. Like, it doesn't get any more fucking rainbow-colored, frivolly, puffy bullshit than this fucking crap that Elizabeth Warren is now laying out here talking about a goddamn elementary student, transgender kid, interviewing a secretary of education. Meanwhile, Elizabeth Warren can't help but attack school choice, despite the fact that it's been proven to work time and time again, vastly outperforming every other system that's available out there, vastly outperforming the goddamn public schools that this cronious union hack gets down on hands and knees for every day. So good job. Idiot of the week. Doesn't get any better than that, guys. All right. I'm going to wrap it up there. I got uh, I got to get some sleep. Got to give my wife a break. So uh, at the end of the show, I do want to remind you again, do check out Mance Raider and Free Man Beyond the Wall. Um, check out our new sponsor, North Spokane, CBD.com. And uh, also don't forget to listen to Mark Clear on Mondays with his flagship show. We got Odie Odermatt, John Odie Odermatt, coming in with Felony Fridays. That was who you had heard last week while I was out. Uh, and some fantastic stories lately, guys. You do not want to miss that. Just Stories that are inspiring, stories that are painful, but really gives you a great insight into just how badly people are getting screwed over in our justice system. Um, yeah, that's on Fridays. And then uh, from me, you know, I'm here every Wednesday. So signing off, me, my baby, my goddamn dog sleeping behind me. 
From Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into Liberty.